2: Well, a big good morning and welcome along to the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. I'm your host, Frankie Mackay, and I am pleased to be back in the driver's seat this morning. Hopefully, you didn't all miss me too much over the last couple of weeks, but I know the lads and producer Jacob have done a fabulous job in my absence. As the cricket season's got underway, I can tell you it is much warmer it's sat here than it has been the few weeks out in the middle. The hand warmers have been in high demand. But look, there's heaps of sport going on at the moment. Between 7 and 8 this morning, we'll delve into what's been happening and what's coming up with a red and black slant, of course. Look, the Rugby we- rugby League World Cup, they've started well for the Kiwis. 34-12 win over Lebanon. 7.30 tomorrow morning, they're in action again taking on Jamaica. Of course, not the only World Cup going on at the moment. The Black Ferns in action at home beaten so far coming off a big 56 to 12 win over Wales. They take on Scotland 445 today and I've been loving what this Black Ferns team has been doing. I think they're showing some positive signs on the field and just crushing it off the field. They seem like such a cool bunch. It's almost enough to have me trade in the cricket spikes for some footy boots. Almost that is. On the footy topic though, it's a massive day for rugby in the Canterbury region with all three provincial finals featuring aside from the Canterbury region. Mid-Canterbury upset top qualifiers, North Otago en route to a final spot. They take on East Coast in the Lahore Cup final. Of course, the Red and Blacks are hosting Wellington tonight in the MPC final, hoping to end their drought, hunting their first title since 2017. And to show historically how good they've been, it's their longest dry spell without a title since 1997. And lastly, the team smashing records on their way to the Meads Cup final this afternoon is South Canterbury. And earlier in the week we caught up with head coach Nigel Walsh to get a bit of intel ahead of the big game. And we'll play that out for you about 7.30 this morning. We'll finish the show, of course, with a panel discussion. We've got a couple of quality panelists coming back, returning to share their views with us. There will be Frankie's Five with surprise, surprise, a little bit of a cricket theme to it to get you in the mood for T twenty World Cup coming up. The Black Caps, of course, getting underway tonight producer Jacob, well he isn't on board this morning the poor guy's had his wisdom teeth out but he made sure to leave me a few options to mention for that Frankie's Five so you can compare and contrast who's picked the best five T20 cricketers ever so look forward to that, Uh, it's been a busy start to the cricket season, with club cricket underway here in Christchurch Uh, even though week one we all had to scrape the ice off the covers but in the domestic scene the plunket shields underway, the black caps have been in the thick of it with a tri-series at Hagley, didn't quite get over the line there but we're hoping that we can See them get over the line in their T20 World Cup campaign. It is, of course, time to head to our first chat of the morning now.
1: S-E-N-Z.
2: Since it is my favourite sport today, it takes pride of place at the top of the show, and joining me is one of my favourite people who knows this Black Caps side incredibly well Canterbury and Black, cl- black caps legend former black caps batting coach current spark sport commentator and the man with the cheese cutter for every occasion it is of course craig mcmillan at Mecca. thanks for joining today and, and welcome along to the show
1: hello frankie good to be on board thanks for having me
2: yeah well we tried to get you on a little bit earlier in the year but you were following the sun chasing the black caps round as they <laughs> uh, went to the windies and to europe as well did you like what you saw from the team over the winter
1: yeah, I did. There was different things throughout the summer. It was a bit of a mixed one, wasn't it? And you had players that were coming and going. The Test series against England was obviously disappointing to lose that three-nil, and then there were some good signs with the likes of Michael Bracewell, who really stood up and took the opportunities throughout that UK tour. Um, so there were some good things, there's some positives. So it was a bit of a mixture in the overall tour. They played well in the Windies, beat the Windies for the first time in a white ball um, series, so that was a little bit of history as well. Um, so a bit of a mixture, but um, all in all, I thought it was a pretty good trip for them.
2: And it wasn't the only thing you got up to over the winter, was it? I believe back uh, the pad's back on for the road safety, Legends League <laughs> in India. How, how did you enjoy it? Was it good fun getting the guys back together, or was it just a nice reminder of exactly why you'd retired?
1: Yeah, it was very much that. It was, um, it was quite a stark reminder of why we don't play anymore. Um, <laughs> but it was great to be amongst... Um, some guys that you'd spent a lot of time with over the years, the likes of Kyle Mills, Shane Bond, a whole number of players that hadn't seen, some others that I hadn't seen for some 10-12 years, so it was good to um, reacquaint with them um, catch up with some of those guys and we had a bit of fun, the cricket wasn't that serious I have to say um, and we only played two games and the rest of the tournament was pretty much washed out with rain so the rain followed us around India, we went to three different cities and had rain in all three cities, so um, all in all, it was um, yeah, it was a positive experience, but one that um, yeah reminded me why I don't play anymore.
2: Yeah, maybe lucky to avoid too many warm-ups going on with the rain around, but let's talk Black Caps. Recently completed tri-series here at Hagley with Pakistan and Bangladesh. Cricket in the South Island in October, was this actually a useful build-up for T20 World Cup?
1: Well, I think it was, Frankie. I mean, I don't think there's too many other cities or places in New Zealand that you would have got seven games in eight days with um, no weather issues. It was quite remarkable. When we consider the day before the tournament started, we had snow on the ground in Christchurch. So um, Christchurch did well because I think that was the earliest that we've had international cricket um, in New Zealand full stop. So all in all, it had to be be a positive thing. I think New Zealand, they got better as the tournament got on. They started with a loss to Pakistan, and they finished with a loss to Pakistan. Um, but they, generally their play got better as the series got on. But there was a lot of, I think there still are a lot of questions um, that are unanswered heading into tonight's match against Australia. Uh, um, there's obviously some injury issues. Um, Daryl Mitchell, um, if he doesn't play tonight, which um, the word is he won't play this first game but will be fit for the second, um, he's a big loss in that New Zealand middle order with the power he's got, um, just that competitive edge he also brings to the side. Um, And then you've got the likes of the fast bowlers with injuries um, throughout that tri-series with Ferguson, who didn't play at all. um, Played in the warm-up game um, against South Africa and and went the distance, was expensive. So he could well head into tonight's match underdone. So that's going to be interesting to see how he goes. And also Adam Milne, um, who was disappointing. I I was hoping he was going to play in that final against Pakistan because two days earlier he, he picked up three for 24 and bowled beautifully. Um, and he could have made a real difference in that final if he had played. So there's some selection issues um, for Gary Stead and Kane Williamson to work out, and there's also some injury issues that they, they have to get right because um, this tournament starts quickly. If you lose that first game, then basically you're on tilt. If you lose another game, you're basically out the back door. So you can afford one slip-up, but you can't afford two.
2: Yeah, well, that's that was going to be my next question is, I look at this pool that New Zealand's sitting in and it's it's got pool of death feel to it. You've got Oz first up, you've got England in your pool as well. You've, you've really got to be beating one of those two teams. What does this New yep. Zealand side have to do to get one over this Aussie side?
1: It's a good question because the stats aren't good, are they, for New Zealand playing Australia and Aussie. Um, we haven't won a white ball game since 2009. Uh, there's mm-hmm. been 13 matches, a, a mixture of T20 and and ODI cricket over that period of time, um, again though it's not a lot of matches. At 13, 13 matches in what 12 and a bit years, 13 years. Yeah. It's it's not a lot, it's not a lot of cricket between two nations that are only three hours apart. But New Zealand, um, Australia have that psychological edge over us. Um, you know they, and that's where I think the young players, the new players like a Finau and um, like a Devon Conway, those sorts of players. Who don't carry the scars or that mental baggage that perhaps a number of those other players who have played in a majority of those losses to Australia probably carry. So I think those new guys are going to be really important. Um, yeah, it's one of those ones that perhaps it's a good chance to catch them a little bit um, on the fly first up. Might not be the, the worst time to actually play Australia, but you have to, there's one thing that's common, and whether it's Um, men's cricket, women's cricket, rugby, soccer, league, whatever it is, you have to be at your best to beat Australia. And and this New Zealand team have been a little bit inconsistent in recent times. They're going to need some of their key players, their experienced players, to stand up and put a performance in if they're going to have any chance of winning tonight.
2: You mentioned it hasn't been a happy hunting ground. How how much do conditions come into it? I mean, New Zealand and Australia are... They're similar enough, you'd like to think, but but the conditions mm. really put us on the back foot there?
1: No, I don't think they do, Frankie. I really don't. Um, remembering it's a T20 match, so it's played over 40 overs, so <laughs> pitch conditions don't change at all. So um, it's just more, um, there's a mental block, I think, when we come up against Australia. Remembering that we're in the World Cup, T20 World Cup final against them just over a year ago, um, a match that, again, we probably should have won, um, we actually dominated for large periods, um, but couldn't get over the line. So I think if they can win tonight and and finally get that monkey off the back, then that will give them a great deal of confidence for the rest of the tournament. If they lose, well, it's not the end of the road, but it certainly puts them under pressure. Remembering that at the last World Cup, they lost their first match to Pakistan, but still managed to get through to the semi-finals and then managed to get through the final. So it, it's an important match tonight. Um, because England, to me, looked like the favourite. If I'm picking one side, obviously India are a good side, and obviously Australia and Australia are hard to beat, but England have just beaten Australia in their series there. I I would have England as the number one favourite side if I had to put my neck on the line for a team that I think could win that tournament.
2: Yeah, they look pretty impressive at the moment. Let's talk New Zealand lineup. The spinners have been the ones taking the wickets at the moment, which I do love to see. I'm not sure there's a place for all three of them, however, in that line-up. Are we going to get to see mm. Milne and Ferguson together? You mentioned those few injuries around. What's What do you think's the 11 we're going to see? Or what's your best 11 heading into this game?
1: <laughs> Good question. Um, no pressure. <laughs> well, where do we start? Um you're right, there's not room for three spinners in the lineup, so one of Sodi Bracewell and Santner will miss out. I'm thinking it will probably be sodi um, He wasn't overly impressive in the tri-series. Um, he had that big over in the final that proved quite a crucial turning point in that match. Mitchell Santner's the banker. He's your number one spinner in T20 format. He's got a knee niggle, so he didn't play in that final against Pakistan, so hopefully that's okay and that's settled down and he's fit to play. And Michael Brace, with me has to play because he's an ex-factor player who offers you a skill set not only with the ball but also with the bat. So they would be my two spin options. In terms of Milne and Ferguson, I think they could go with all-out pace. They could play those two players. And then it's either Tim Southey or Trent Bolt, who's the third seamer. but I think they'll probably go if the stock to go with maybe Southie, Bolt and Ferguson if he's fit. And Adam Mill could well be the guy that um, is a like-for-like replacement with Lockie Ferguson. So that's something they'll have to work out. Do they want all-out pace or do they want to go with the experience of Bolton and Saudi who have been to Australia a number of times before and just go with the one-out speed? So there has to be some concern about Lockie Ferguson because he's just played no cricket consistently over the last 12 months. Um, and now he's got an injury issue. So, you know, he didn't play in the Tri-Series. He played against South Africa in the warm-up game and and went um, the distance. So he's going to be short of a gallop, and it's not really what you want heading into um, a T20 World Cup. You want all your players fit and firing to go, and it's fair to say that perhaps, perhaps a couple of the New Zealand players might be a little bit underdone.
2: Yeah, well, there had been discussions around. There'd been a... A lot of conversations, I think, around the form of Kane Williamson. To me, seeing him play that tri-series final, I think that looked like a, a return mm. to form for him. But I think there's one area I've got a few question marks over, and that's the fielding. And that, normally that's something yeah. in the New Zealand lineup. We talk about that, that we're one of the world's best. We've got a great fielding collective group. Is there something that you could do, a, a quick fix for that, or is it just a little bit now you've got to hit a lot of catches and hope that it starts coming right itself?
1: Yeah, it was a really strange one, wasn't it? All three teams struggled throughout that try series The number of catches that went down, and not particularly hard catches either that should be taken at that level. I just wonder, Frankie, we know it was cold, um, and while the weather was fine and the blue sky was there and there was a little bit of sun out, it was at times sort of in single-figure digits in terms of degrees, <laughs> eight, nine degrees. So maybe the fingers were a little bit cold. Um, so they'll probably enjoy going to Australia where it's a little bit warmer. New Zealand have to field well, and that's just the key in T20 cricket because you can't afford to give good players a second chance. And the game's so short that generally you don't get another opportunity if you do put down one of those chances. So it's an area I expect that they would have worked on. they continue to do sessions. They've maybe done a little bit of extra, um, but they need to have sharpened up because I think the team that wins the T20 World Cup will also be the best fielding side.
2: Yeah, I agree, and and I think New Zealand can take a bit of confidence from the fact that at world events, New Zealand's always there or thereabouts. You have plumped and said England go in as favourites. Who are you going for your other semi-finalist spots? You've got England number one, three spots to fill. Who are you going with?
1: Um, question, India have to be there, even though they've got no Jasper Bumrah and Ravindra Jadeja, her two key players in that playing 11 for India they've got amazing depth so they will be able to cover for those two great players so i think they'll be there or thereabouts. um i think south africa a little bit of a dark horse for me i I really do i think that they're not getting mentioned much um i mean the pools are tough you've got pakistan in that pool that pool group two or so so one of those key teams is going to miss out um so i'll plump for maybe india and south africa from the other side of the draw and then from our side Um, England and New Zealand and look, New Zealand that's that's if New Zealand win tonight I think if they don't win tonight against Australia then I think they'll really struggle to actually find a way to make it through to those semi-finals so tonight's game is almost a sudden death match first up, it's going to be an exciting one and fingers crossed that New Zealand can get the job done
2: Yeah, couldn't have said it better. Macca, I think that is absolutely spot on. I'm crossing my fingers for a New Zealand win. I'm also crossing my fingers that the weather stays nice for it. But there you have it. That's the inside info of Craig McMillan. Thanks so much for your time today, and uh, I hope that uh, it's a nice day for a day on the golf course for you today.
1: (laughs) Sun's out, Frankie, so that means it's always a good day for golf. Thanks for having me. (laughs)
2: My pleasure. That was Craig McMillan giving us all the info uh, leading into the Black Caps' first match of the T20 World Cup tonight. 8pm start New Zealand time. We're all hoping that the Black Caps get themselves underway with a win and head towards that semi-final spot. Time for a break here and we will be right back with you. S-E-N-Z. Plenty going on in Canterbury this weekend, that's for sure. The Meads Cup final, that's 2.05 at Pleasant Point point, South Canterbury going to work there, looking for 22 wins in a row and a title to boot MPC final is going on, Orange Theory Stadium, 7.05pm there's still some tickets available to that so get on down there, cheer the red and black on, and there's plenty of club cricket going on, seems a bit silly to intro that there's rugby going on and then there's cricket going on, but there's plenty of club cricket dotted all around the grounds, my matches of the round, well in the women's section, it's old boys taking on St Albans, that's at Elmwood Park number one, there's a host of Canterbury Magicians on show in that game and should be an absolute cracker. And in the men's premiership, it is day two of two day matches this round. And I'm going with St Albans, Lancaster Park. They're on the nursery ground at Hagley. There's been 18 wickets to fall on day one. Lancaster Park needs some quick wickets early day two to keep themselves in the match. If they do, it's on to be a cracker. If they don't, well, St Albans, that juggernaut will roll on once again. Canterbury United Pride, they're at English Park today. The youth start at 11.30, the Pride 1.30pm, it's free entry there as well. And of course it's the opening night extravaganza at Woodford Glen Speedway, a roar into life for the summer with the annual Molly Young New Zealand Trophy Challenge. And get yourself down to Rickerton Park today for the war decree stakes. But before you do, stay here this morning. Louis and Mick, they'll take you through the best of the day from 8am. These lads know their stuff and they are my absolute go-tos as we head towards New Zealand's favourite race week, Addington Cup Week, November 8 and 11 on sale at addington.co.nz it's time for frankie's
1: five
2: yeah that's it it's everyone's favorite segment frankie's five brought to you by south island forklifts for all your forklift needs while ahead of t20 world cup today's theme is the best t20 cricketers of all time that's it's a real head scratcher for me but I've started it off with number one, Virat Kohli, the most consistent run scorer you'd, you could absolutely ask for. When T20 first arrived, it was thought 30 might become the new 50. Well, he averages over 50 in international T20s, the highest ever run scorer in the IPL, excellent under chase. He's driven Indian cricket to a new level with their fitness and athleticism, and he's a gun fielder to go with it. So lock him in. Number two, I'm going away from the batting now. I'm going for Lasith Malinga. Slinger Malinga from Sri Lanka. He captained Sri Lanka to their 2014 T20 World Cup win. Only bowler to take four wickets and four balls twice in international cricket best international t20 bowling figures were five for six which is just incredible over 100 wickets in international t20 170 in the ipl Slingy action one of the best slower balls going around and a devastating yorker so here's my number two number three it's the finisher ms dhoney international average of almost 38 often tasked with closing a game out never seemed rushed or hurried the iceman just had the knack of getting it done especially a last over finish add in, he's a genius with the gloves on and he makes my top five a youngster comes in at number four here Rashid Khan 118 wickets and 71 internationals for the Afghanistan superstar best of five for three averages 14 economy of just over six takes a wicker every 13 balls add is he's only 24 he is going to be a legend of the game that's for sure and number five well I couldn't go past fellow SENZ host Brendan McCullum average 36, strike rate of 136, captaincy, innovation, power, he's got it all. That 158 to start the IPL off is one of the best innings I've ever seen. Combine that with the scoops at Lancaster Park off Sean Tate and he makes my top five almost on those two facts alone and... He'd be a little bit, he'd be feeling left out if I didn't mention him. So that's my Frankie's five. Of course, Jacob not with me this morning. We're thinking of him. He's had his wisdom teeth out. He'll be back on board next week. But his mentions that he absolutely wanted to get in there. He's gone Chris Lynn, the Aussie blaster at the top of the order, the bash brother to Brendan McCullum. So I I can see why he's gone with that. Sean Tate, capable of bowling up towards 160K. I think every T20 side would love to have someone like that. He's gone Kyron Pollard from the West Indies. Played over 500 T20 matches. Gun with both bat and ball. So a quality all-rounder. And and so far, I'm I'm not minding this from Jacob. Shahida Afridi gets in there. It is is number four spot. Another all-rounder to round it out. Can blow hot and cold, but can win a match off his own bat. And Alex Hales rounds out the number five spot. So I'm sure Jacob... Very, very pleased to see Alex Hales back in that England lineup for the T20 World Cup. And I have to say, those five cricketers, Jacob, not bad. Not bad. You've done a pretty good job. So that's Frankie's Five for another week. Time for a quick break here, and then we'll be back to talk rugby.
1: S-E-N-Z
2: Ahead of finals day for the provincial sides, it's time for our rugby segment today. This Canterbury Rugby update brought to you by Kevlar Holmes, proud partner of Canterbury Rugby. Well, the Canterbury lads, they've earned the right to host the big dance 7.05 at Orange Theory tonight after dispatching Bay of Plenty 24-10. to 10. Fergus Burke scoring all 24 points. First time in the final since 2018 for the Red and Blacks, but... There is a team in South Canterbury who has been absolutely dominating the Heartland Championship, enjoying an unbeaten run against Heartland teams that stretches all the way back to 2019. Joining me today, South Canterbury coach Nigel Walsh. Nigel, thanks so much for your time, but what I really want to know is, what's in the water down there? The lads are going great guns at the moment.
3: Well, they always talk about the Waimati water down here in South Canterbury, (laughs) and it must have spread through the whole of South Canterbury, but... um... No, they are going great guns, and, and it take it's taken us a while to get the team where it is today, and everybody's enjoying it, and they've got a smile on their dolls and enjoying the uh, enjoying the culture and the atmosphere, so it's a good team to be involved with.
2: Yeah, and you're into the Meads Cup final against Wanganui. You've played them and beaten them this year. What can you expect from the, the Whanganui side?
3: Oh, look, let's be fair, it's the two teams that probably deserve to be in the final. Um yeah. Um, we're expecting a real, um, a real hard hustle up front and, and, and right across the park. They're a good side, and you know a team that's been in the Meads Cup and won the Meads Cup six, seven times in a row. Um, they're a good side, so uh, we're expecting one hell of a game. And, and yes, we've been up there and beat them once this year, but all that means for nothing when you're on Finals Day. You've got to be on on the game.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You had a huge semi-final win, seventy-six to nine, including fifty-two unanswered points. You got to be a happy coach after that one, don't you? Was was that the kind of semi final you you thought the boys had in them?
3: Oh, look, we we were heading towards clicking, um, and and all year, and, and and especially in the later part of the season, we were getting closer and closer game by game, and and on Saturday it really clicked. And um, you know, King Country they're they're a bloody good side as well, and and um, we knew they were going to throw that in at us for the first. Uh, first 30 minutes and they did that but the boys withheld the storm and, and then we got playing some footage. so um, you know it's a very it's a surprise the score wise um, but you know the boys really put it together so I was very proud of them.
2: It's a little tricky after a, a semi-final like that where the win is so comprehensive to actually sit down and, and pick out a couple of areas to improve on is, is that tricky or is it just you say to the lads just more of the same let's just keep doing the stuff that we're doing?
3: Um, no, to be fair, on Tuesday night we were pretty critical on on a couple of areas uh of our game that we didn't quite um we didn't quite get get right. You know, there was a couple of wee one moments that we lapsed and we and um you know, our, our mall didn't get the tries that we probably should have got and, and um we were a bit loose there and and just a couple of things like that. So we were pretty critical on Tuesday night and we worked on those on Tuesday night to make sure we get it right this week. So you know, yeah, there's a lot of positives, but there was also a couple of negatives that come out of here that we worked on as well. So um, you've always got to have work-ons.
2: Yeah. Oh, look, it's it's been a phenomenal season. It was also a phenomenal season last year as well. Who, who's really impressed you? Who have been some of the the standout players on your side?
3: Oh, look, it, it's pretty hard to um, to pick out any players. You know, Sammy Briggs and Willie Wright, 9 and 10 combination, they're really driving the team around the park very, very well and um, leading us and putting us in the right end of the park when needed. Um, you know, the tight 5 has set a good platform for the team to, to run off. Um, the whole the whole Ford pack has been setting a good platform and we've got some pretty slick backs across the park, so, you know, it's pretty hard, but um, Nick Strawn, the captain, he'd come back for another year and he's probably playing some of the best rugby he's played um, for a long time and he's really enjoying it injury-free and things like that. Cam Russell, um, he's standing up and putting his hand up all over the park as well, and of course our um, barnstorming number eight, Siu Kakala. Um, so you know there's there's some big boys putting their hands up this year, and and it's good. So uh, we aren't at the end destination yet. We've still got a journey to go tonight and, and Friday, and uh, then we're into it on Saturday. So um, yeah, looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, you mentioned Siu Kakala as as one of your standout players. I think he's been immense, but I did. Notice he's perhaps got a little bit of a calf niggle. Are you looking like he's going to get on the park? Have you got a full squad available for you to be choosing from this weekend?
4: Yeah, no, we've, we've got a
3: full squad to be choosing from this weekend. Um, I actually had to slow him down at training uh, on Tuesday night. <laughs> um, he was that keen and eager, so um, we had to sort of slow him down and make sure that he was right. But no, he, he, he's running freely and he's ready to go, so that's a that's a real positive for the team as well. So we took him off for precautionary reasons last week. We sort of had the game in, in hand, so um, we took them off to rest it up.
2: Yeah, good. pleased Pleased to hear it. Now, unbeaten season last season, so far unbeaten this season. How How do you keep the drive and the motivation so high within this group?
3: Oh, look, we, it's the old cliche, week by week. But we also took a lot of history boxes off on the way through. Um, you know, this year have been we've been. Um, making and creating a fair bit of history on the way through um, through the games and, and the wins and the amount of wins and stuff like that. We don't look too far past the next game. Um, and like last week, we created a lot of history with um, another win, 23 I think it is, about um, the highest points scored in a semi-final in any the NPC and Heartland um, competition in New Zealand. So we created history there um, and things like that. So we just concentrate on what we can do and, and, and how we can create history within the team. It's it's um, So the boys have sort of focused on that and, and working away and trying to create history week in, week out. That's what we're after.
2: Yeah, well, it's going to be an incredible day of, of rugby for the Canterbury region. Uh, the Canterbury lads, they're in the final mid-Canterbury, they're in their final south-Canterbury. You guys are, are going for win number 24 in a row. But what, what kind of game are we expecting for, for your side on Saturday? Is this going to be another... Another running rugby? Are we expecting a bit more of a a tight tussle, an arm wrestle, battle of the boot, perhaps? Where do you see these two sides stacking up?
3: Oh, look, there are two they're two teams that love running rugby. You know, they've got some flying Fijians in their side that love to ball in hand and um, love running rugby as well, just as much as we do. So, you know, there'll be there'll be key moments where either team's got to win those key moments, and the ones that get those key moments will be the winners at the end of the day. And they're going to have to take their opportunities and create opportunities as well. So, you know, there's two exciting teams going out in the park. So, you know, I think it will be an entertaining game, running game. We we certainly won't be shutting up shop or anything like that. We want to carry on playing the way we're playing and have been all year. So it should be exciting for the uh, for the spectators and the community to uh, come out to Point and have a good look.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Pleasant Point. 2.05pm kickoff live on Sky Sport 2. But how how big's this, uh, this home crowd going to be and how important important's that home support going to be for your side?
3: Oh, look, we've been lucky this year with, with our ground out being re- under reconstruction this year at Alpine Energy Stadium. We've gone around all the country clubs this year and played at uh, all the country clubs and every club that's had the, the game up there done an outstanding job and um, really put it on. And the community's got right behind it as well, which is absolutely fantastic. So we're expecting another good crowd out at Prison Point on Saturday. They're really pushing it down here. And, you know, the crowd's very important to us and, and, you know, we want to hear them on the sideline, get them behind us and and, um, give us the old push that we need. And, and, um, you know, once we know we've got the crowd back and us, we'll be away laughing.
2: Yeah. And co-captain as well, Nick Strawn, you you mentioned him a little bit earlier. I've heard that Saturday's match is going to be his last, that he's hanging the boots up. Uh, I guess a word on him and, and just what he brings to the group.
3: Oh, look, Storny, he hasn't confirmed yes or no to me, but there is talk about it. Um, Storny thought about it last year, but then he thought it's too good a team to be able to uh, walk away from. So um, he, he decided to come back for another year, and as I say, he's playing some of his best rugby. But Storny is a great leader um, on and off the field. He's um he he talks a lot and he leads by his actions. Um and a lot of all the players have got a lot of respect for Nick and and would do anything for him as well. And he's a crucial part of the success we've got. You know, I've, i was lucky enough to have Nick as my captain in the club rugby as well for Celtic. And so we've built that partnership over a long time and um we both know how we sort of tick, I suppose you could say. But um he's just he's just a good inspirational leader on and off the field and, and um when the game gets tough, he digs in. So he's one hell of a player.
2: Yeah, and I mean, there's one way to keep him on. is just It seems like just keep winning games and, and you might be able to keep dragging him back. But um, oh, look, we we want to wish you a big uh, big good luck from us here at SCNZ, Nigel. Thanks for your time ahead of the big game. We, we really do uh, appreciate it as well.
3: No, and all I can say is up the Crusader Canterbury region. Let's uh, try and get three in the box. And all the best to mid-Canterbury and Canterbury as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a fine Saturday, that's for sure. That was South Canterbury coach Nigel Walsh, ahead of the Meads Cup final. We were lucky enough to spend a little bit of time talking with him during the week. And that was your Canterbury Rugby update brought to you by Kevla Holmes, helping build the future of Canterbury Rugby. Kevla Holmes, proud partner of Canterbury Rugby.
1: S-E-N-Z.
2: Into the home stretch now, so that means it's time for the panel, proudly sponsored by Malray Electric, putting the spark into Canterbury Rugby. Look, a couple of quality ge- guests as always joining me today, both returning panellists as well who know their stuff. They're resident rugby experts as well, so that's what we will touch on a bit today. George Berry, Brian Ashby, thank you so much for, for joining with me. Brian, I'll start with you. Three Canterbury sides in three provincial rugby finals today. It's got to be great sides for the region. Can, can we scoop all three? yes uh
0: absolutely and and um i'm really enjoying what i'm seeing uh in terms of the 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 i don't know the, the joy and expression that, that we're seeing from um canterbury at the moment in, in a way that we haven't seen for a for a few years they really look like they're enjoying playing together um so yeah look look tremendous and uh it, it's not going to be easy for um for the canterbury a men uh against a wellington side which I think, you know, it's hard to believe, isn't it, you've got guys like um, Julian Savier, TJ Perinari, you look at their their extensive CVs, and it's hard to believe that they've never won an NPC before. You know, so it's probably the one and only opportunity, and and they're playing with um, a lot of freedom as well and so on. So I think it's going to be a fairly close game, but I think there's just a little bit more going on with with Canterbury's uh, tight forward pack
2: like it. And George, is this the confirmation we're all after to prove that yes, we are in fact the best rugby region in the country?
4: Well, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? It certainly would be nice. I think South Canterbury will take a heck of a lot of beating uh, down there from Whanganui. I was down there last weekend actually in a game when they were 70-something, 10 or 70-something, 17 I think against King Country and they were just unstoppable. And actually the week before when they took down mid-Canterbury as well, they, were, they just really looked the goods. But Canterbury have got a, a bit of a hard road going all the way to the Ruatoria, which uh, you know they've had to charter flights in and out. It's it's going to be a bit of a trek, but yeah, that team's certainly coming right at the at the right end of the uh, season. They've got a guy like uh, Nasi Manu playing for them in the Heartland competition too. Lots of people will know yeah. him uh, for um, you know NPC was actually due to play for Canterbury this time last year, but ended up with an injury playing for Tonga. Uh, So Canterbury missed out on him. But uh, And then, yeah, the flip side of this, it's going to be pretty emotional. Uh, Could well be Luke Romano's last game uh, in red and black and potentially his last game of rugby full stop. Uh, Bridgie George Bridge, is heading away to Montpellier after this as well. And and interesting, uh, Brian just talked about some... TJ Perrinar and Julian Savia will think about it from a Canterbury perspective. Willie Hines... Uh, and then also yeah, Owen Frank's back as well, which is, uh, which is also interesting. The other one that's actually just flicked out for me in the last couple of days is Dominic Bird, now playing for Wellington. Well, he was part mm-hmm. of the squad, the Canterbury squad, that last, won the last one, I think, in uh, 2017. Matt Todd was also playing for Canterbury, then has now come back as a coach. So, um, yeah, some, some real old heads amongst both squads this year.
2: Yeah, plenty of experience around. It would be brilliant to see the Canterbury region sides go three from three today. But look, let's there's another team that's heading off today. It is the All Blacks. What well, are heading off for their northern tour. What do you make of that squad? And, and we've probably got to touch on the uh, All Blacks XV as well. Are there a couple of Cantabs that are perhaps a little bit hard done by Brian? Well, look,
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been um, a card-carrying member of the Tom Christie fan club since he was an age grouper, and, and to me, he's always looked uh, hes always looked like an all-black. The fact that A, he's missed the all-black squad, B's missed the all Blacks 15, I really struggle with that. Um, I, I don't like what I've seen from all-black's loose forwards this year, with the exception of Artie Savio, I think philosophically, I don't think they've got it right. They're looking for bulk, and I, I, I get that. But I think, yeah, Tom Christie's smaller in stature, but his work rate, you cannot argue it. For, mm. for several seasons now, it cannot be argued. Uh, and and players that are there, not just in the open side position, but in other positions in that loose board mix, their work rates just just aren't up to it. So I, I think that's, I, I, that for me, I think it's hugely disappointing. And yeah, you know, he must be wondering what the hell he has to do to, um, to to get that opportunity. I hope it comes. I think it probably will um, at, at some point. It should have come. Uh, it should have come this season. It should have come on this tour. Uh, there's been, I know there's been a lot of talk about um, Fergus Burke, and, and and he he's been a great watch in recent times. And and I've always been a great believer. You know, with number tens, it's all about rugby rhythm. You need to be playing, and he hasn't always had game time. When he has had extended periods he hasn't always looked the most confident guy in the world, but now with the extended runs that he's had this year, uh, both in Super and, and, and now in this current competition, he's, he's tremendous. There's a, there's a big gap between D-Mac Maunga and, and, uh, and Bowden and Barrett and the Chasers. Um, is he unlucky? Probably a little bit late to the party. Longer term, I think he, he will make his move, definitely if he continues on the trajectory he's on at the moment.
2: Yeah, well, we've managed to get eight Canterbury forwards in that, that second All Blacks team. I mean, uh, it's great to see, I think, that Canterbury side and the Canterbury pack have been dominant. But, yeah, how does Tom Christie not get a look in? There's no Canterbury players in the backs of that team either. Is, was that a bit of a surprise for you, George? Uh, yeah, I, I think, they are, well,
4: a little bit of oil for you. I hear that Gatlin might have been might be dropping out of that uh, 50, the All Black 15 too, so there may become a position available uh, in that spot for for Ferg. But equally, I, I think in an All Black year or a World Cup year, they might take uh, Joshuani instead. And again, that will probably mean that uh, Ferg misses out. It's an interesting one, is it? Because the same in that halfback position, they've gone for two very experienced halfbacks and aren't really developing any more talent in that space either. So even that for you know someone like Mitchell Drummond this year completely misses out in that space too. And I, I actually think he's playing probably some of his best rugby Uh, at the moment as well. Uh, Are we there? Not quite sure. Manasa Mata-Eli will obviously go away with Fiji. Bridgie's going away to uh, play in France, so there's probably not a winger in there. Shea Fihaki probably hasn't had the year that he would have wanted in the 15 jersey for Canterbury. He's playing solid rugby, but... I'm not quite sure if he's ahead of in Love or some of those other guys. So they're close. There's no doubt about it they're close. But uh, you're thinking that you know, Dallas McLeod hasn't quite been able to you – know, he's got a log-jammed Super Rugby uh, midfield in front of him. He hasn't quite cracked that. So oh, I'm probably not too surprised in the backs too much. But, um, yeah, there's certainly you – know, Tom Christie's got a – the person that's probably kept Tom Christie out of that spot is Billy Harmon this year, who's just been absolutely yeah. on fire for the Canterbury – and probably gives you the luxury of being able to play 6, 7, and 8, whereas Tom really is an out-and-out out 7. So maybe that's the only, the only thing that's kept Tom out of there too. But, um, yeah, obviously from a Canterbury perspective, you put your hat on, you're pretty proud to see some of those guys go, like Zach Gallagher and you know, Dom Gardner is just a freak, an absolute freak. And then you've got guys like Cullen Grace to come back again as well and play in that All Black squad. So yeah, are pretty, uh, pretty deep as far as Canterbury concerned at the moment, and, and long may that continue.
2: Yeah, they're a pretty impressive bunch, that's for sure. Another bunch that's been super impressive for mine has actually been the Black Ferns. There, there were a few questions about how they were trucking and, and whether the Sevens players coming back in was going to be disruptive, but they've been good. Not perfect so far, definitely not perfect, but good. What do we need to see, Brian, in this match against Scotland?
0: Yeah, I, we need a bit more um, cohesion, I think, in in, in, the, uh, in the set pieces and, and, and uh, direction up front. I think that's that's. Ultimately, my, my gut feeling is, is that will ultimately be the undoing of this side. I think they've come a, a long, long way. Uh, I think it's a very well-selected team that we've got here. I was frustrated for you know a few years with uh, the shape of the Women's National Provincial Championship and the way the competition was playing out. And then the players that were or weren't being selected for national honours, and then, then we had the COVID-related issues, um, suddenly... Uh, with a change in the selection panel, I think it is, it, it's a reflection of the form of, 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 the, uh, of the players playing at provincial level. It's also um, just the, the right... I think they've, they've, they've worked harder, they've thought a little bit harder about the, the, the players that, they, um, that they're going for. And, you know, they're still clearly not settled. You look the, the changes from game to game to game, but, um, you know, there aren't too many players that are playing their way sort of out of um, the selection frame at the moment. So, uh, you know, going back to your original point, it, it, it comes down to, um, for me, just finding um, some, some momentum and dominance up front. And I, I, you know, as I say, I do think that's probably the weak suit within uh, the, the group that you can't, you are attacking intent and, and, and uh, e- execution at times uh, is, is quite scintillating.
2: Yeah, this, it's,
4: this might this might be it might be the Blackfern's best type five, I reckon, this week though. To see them when they got monstered uh last week by Wales, uh, didn't quite have the front row they wanted. And then Nang Wu coming back, I think, too. Uh it's a bit of a shame to see Chelsea Bremner shifted to the bench, but you know, Nang Wu will offer something a bit different, I reckon, in that second row for, for the Blackferns. So I would I totally agree with Brian. I would expect a bit of a bit of change within that type five this week though, with Pip Love and Amy Rule as well though.
2: Yeah, it's exciting to see. I am a little bit disappointed, however, that... I think the organisers have missed a little bit of a trick. I think they have missed a trick only having it Auckland and Whangarei, but I would have loved to have the opportunity to go, and, to go and watch, and I'm sure a lot of people around the country feel the same. But that's about all we've got time for on the panel here today. George Berry, Brian Ashby, thank you so much for joining me once again. Uh, we, could, we could talk footy for hours and hours on end, I'm sure, and we could put the worlds to right and make a way to get Tom Christie into that side. But it's been brilliant to chat, been, been excellent to hear views. So thanks so much for your time.
4: Right, Steph. Go, Go Canterbury.
2: <laughs> Love to hear it. Go Canterbury, indeed. It is a massive day for Canterbury rugby. Three finals playing out. One in Christchurch, Canterbury taking on Wellington. One in Pleasant Point, South Canterbury taking on Whanganui. And then Mid Canterbury having to go all the way up north to take on East Coast. Could go three from three. Best of luck to all those sides. I hope that next week we're talking about three Canterbury wins. And ideally, the weather stays good in Australia as well for the Black Caps to get their T20 World Cup underway. Thanks for joining, everyone. It's been great to be back in the hot seat. We'll be back same time, same place next Saturday morning. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications.
4: For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.